you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're going to discuss our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zelenkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Hi there. And this is episode number three, and we are going to talk about the Citadel. So I like to call this episode Night Citadel Stories. <laughs> That's good, I like that. And, uh... Yeah, so before we get into the Citadel proper, though, uh, Kura, you wanted to talk about uh, something we forgot to mention in our First Impressions episode last time, uh, but uh, the, the newly added photo mode. How are you enjoying that? Uh, it's slowing down my game a little bit because I keep pausing my game like, ooh, and just taking like nice photos because um, what's really nice is uh, in this photo mode, you can basically like hit pause the game at any time, even during cutscenes. And it'll pause it, and you can get nice images of just the game proper without, like, text or anything else. You can remove your character, background NPCs, and just get, like, just nice scenery shots. It lets you, like, angle the camera, add filters. It's pretty. It's been pretty nice. And um, starting to fill my, my computer up with lots of photos of Mass Effect. Are you, uh, are you like, posting those on Tweedo, or...? You just keeping them for yourself. I'm also keeping them for myself right now. Like I'll probably add some stuff later. I did like uh, when I was on a later like later thing. I did like a, a quest to the moon or was like exploring the moon, and I uh, decided to make some Futurama jokes with it because you know we're always whalers on the moon. Do they do they carry <laughs> harpoons? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you can find us next week on our Futurama podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, we can't. I have to sleep too. <laughs> uh, I enjoy way too much of. I I thought it was funny because uh, you had sent me a screenshot that you took her of uh, of uh, uh, Saren's ship when it takes off from Eden Prime, mm-hmm. and I was looking through mine, uh, my my uh, my 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 play. T- time and i saw that was the one time i was like let me test out camera mode and i did the same thing i tried to take a good picture of of saren's ship as it takes off from eden prime because that's a it's a nice it's i mean it's an important visual and it's nice to kind of like oh yeah let me test the photo mode here and i was i was actually going to try to use that for the cover image last time but the problem is that the camera work when you're looking at the ship is blurry because like, mm-hmm. that's the point. Yeah. Like they, they're they're doing that blur effect, but the only way you know that like the image itself isn't blurry is because the leaves and the rocks in the foreground are like crystal clear. Right. And it's like like yeah, I could try to use this as a cover image, but like nobody's gonna see the re- leaves and the rock. They're just gonna be like, why is that? Why did you yeah. use a blurry image? <laughs> I, 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 I don't have to go back and test it. But I think there is a way to turn off the blur effect they use there. There is some other settings where you can reduce the amount of blur and stuff, and what the, the perspective focus is. But I'm not—I haven't tested it on that cutscene specifically. So, yeah, it's—it's. It's, uh, I mean, it's a powerful tool because you can like set the camera like off of Shepard's shoulder and actually move the camera around. Like, it's really—I admit—I haven't played too much with photo mode in other games. I know 
this is like a common feature now that I think a lot of games are putting in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really get an opportunity to take a look at some stuff. I wonder if there's a way if you can use it to like spy, like, can I see around this wall to see what's coming or anything like that? Oh, that'd Maybe. be funny. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't see why you couldn't, because they have like a free floating camera thing, so you could you could probably do this. Funny. Well, I wouldn't call it free floating. I think I I think in the cutscenes it's more free floating, mm. but in the actual game proper, it basically is using your character as the camera operator. So sometimes you can get stuck on geometry and other weird <laughs> issues. I've like I've only used it when I've been exploring some planet and I'm like, wow, that that's really nice looking. And I'll take a, a screenshot or two. But I haven't like uh, I haven't dipped into it too much because um, I feel like much like real life photography, I'm just not very good at it. Like, I don't know what settings are like the right ones. Like, what size lens should I use and, and all of that? Like. I just I, I don't understand photography well, and so. um yeah, I'm bad at this one too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair. Like, yeah, for, for me, photo mode has always been print screen, just the print mm-hmm. screen button. <laughs> uh, that said, let's go ahead and uh, hear the uh, recap for the first part of the Citadel, and then we'll go from there. Aboard Saren's ship, we meet the Asari matriarch Benizia, who tells Saren that a human used the Eden Prime beacon, and he flips out in response. The Normandy arrives at the Citadel. Anderson, Shepard, Caden, and Ashley meet with Ambassador Udina before heading to Citadel Tower for Saren's hearing. Turian CSEC officer Garrus Vakarian is outside the Council's chambers, being ordered to drop his thus far fruitless mission to prove Saren has gone rogue. In the hearing, the Council railroads the humans, taking Saren's word over any evidence as the meeting gets heated. After the meeting, Anderson discusses his history with Saren, Shepard and crew are left to decide amongst three leads to track Saren. Disgraced CSEC officer Harkin, frustrated Turian officer Garrus, and shady Volus information merchant Barla Vaughn. All right, so let's go ahead. The first thing I want to bring up is the, the little cutscene that uh, was mentioned at the beginning that we didn't, we, we didn't talk about last week. This actually played after the beacon blew up, but before Shepard wakes up on the Normandy. <clears throat> We identified the ship that touched down on Eden Prime, the Normandy, a human alliance vessel. It was under the command of Captain Anderson. They managed to save the colony. And the beacon. One of the humans may have used it. when you get that sequence with Saren where he goes all I, I obviously I wouldn't have thought to make this comparison at the time but he felt a lot like Kylo Ren in uh in the in uh the one Star Wars movie where he just loses loses his, his you know loses his mind for a moment and just starts you know beating up the wall like Saren yeah. just go, go goes berserk for a moment and then he gets all right and Benetzi is faced and you know, it's it's important because Benizia becomes like her, the way that she leads us to Saren starts to become apparent here, um, you know, with what's going to happen. But yeah, it's it's telling um, 
you know, it, it, I don't know. It, it's important too. It establishes that Saren has, like I said earlier, Saren has a posse that we're mm-hmm. not just after him. Like we know he's got the Geth. Um, we know he may have, you know, he he's clearly got some bigger agenda. I know Anderson is, keeps hammering home. You know, Saren's trying to kill the humans. Saren's trying to kill the humans. This clearly indicates like Saren's got some other agenda we have yet to uncover. Yeah, and he's got help like throughout the galaxy. So I mean, that's cool. I really, I really enjoy Miranda Sirtis. Uh, who's the voice voice actress uh, for Benezia and also Demona from Gargoyles? Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I guess she join was us on for our Gargoyles podcast in a few weeks. I, oh my god! <laughs> can we? Can we? Oh no! <laughs> um, it's all on Disney Plus now. You should watch it if you've never seen it. It's a great. Yes, show. it is. Um, oh. Half of there's. She was also on some Star Trek. Never heard of it, but I guess she was a popular character. No, but for real, like she she's great. Um, I didn't. I, I gotta tell you, in that cutscene, the one thing I don't love, and it has not aged well, is just like her outfit is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah, I, yes. I, it bugs me all the time. It's, her outfit. I'm like, I was, I was kind of surprised they didn't clean it up or do something with it. Um, they probably just didn't want to mess with the character model. But I just like every time I see her, I'm like, really? You got tape in there? What are you doing? Like, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's biotics. It's all controlled by biotics. Mm, she mm. just has it. <laughs> okay okay and like i don't know if i maybe like if i'm playing this right here like we'll get more to once we get to later in the thing i always forget about her when i play the other games like oh yeah Benezza, you exist yeah you look like you'll be really awesome i don't feel like we get to see her utilized too much of this game coming up but i'm like man you seem like awesome mm-hmm. i mean she, she's basically like saren's mini boss number one you know, and, and and we need this cutscene because what again? What happens on the Citadel, and then um, you know later later on when you when you go to another planet, um, it you know it leads it leads directly to you know a confrontation with her. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that that's coming, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So so overall, that's a, a, a brief but important scene. But then we 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 get onto the Citadel proper. Um, we get Ashley fawning over the Ascension, which I just want to highlight again because the Ascension does come back later in the game. I, that, that that's a bit. Even when they talk about the Ascension having that big rail gun, like that's literally like Chekhov's gun in a way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. mm, yes, yes, it really is. Yeah, it's sort of weird because yeah, she gets very excited about um about the Destiny Ascension, and they talk. I I presume the giant like elliptical hole in the front of that thing is its cannon which that's a big cannon yes i never you know for for some reason that never occurred to me that because i was always looking at like the the fins like i don't see i don't see this cannon and to me it looked like a whale shark like with his mouth just right open kind of swimming around right, I'm like oh right. that's like so i'm thinking like that's his mouth which doesn't make any sense for a ship to and have I, a mouth and i don't know why but for some reason it looks more to me like a, a hanar kind of ship looking because it looks kind of like their bodies but yeah, it's very probably um, unintentional. There, it's like super aquatic looking for sure. I know in if you if you are a super nerd and you want to go read all the codex entries, uh, one of them talks about the ship's main rail guns, and they're they're they talk about specifically that the rail guns are in the center of the ship because they have to be basically the length of the ship uh, to be the most That's effective. Fair. Which oh, is why I presume that that big old hole is is for the rail gun. Yeah, I, I still remember that there's the things uh, a Volus are there is like bragging that he's been on that ship with, with a tour or something. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like a little vignette where you like run into. He's he's trying to show off. I think yes. he's like trying to hit on hit on an Atari or, or something. Some hu- human lady or human yeah. lady, maybe or, or, it was. Or maybe it's just, yeah, yeah. Because when you get down into the that's the upper wards, I think mm-hmm. you've got that nice view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, again, have you taken any good shots with photo mode from the Citadel, Kura? Yeah, I have. I have a couple in there. I'll just send you later. Nice. So. So it's interesting to note that, like, when we talked about Eden Prime earlier, it was important that really the only aliens we dealt with were Nihilus and Saren. We didn't even see Saren. We, like, we was, well, we saw him in a cutscene, but we, you know, Shepard and the crew didn't actually interact with him directly. You get to the Citadel, and it is aliens galore. I mean, it is definitely, it makes you feel like you're in some kind of weird space, uh, you know, like space setting. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point, I almost feel like the Citadel, in a way, is kind of defining like when i when i started playing destiny uh back in what 2014 or so mm-hmm. that made me want to play mass effect again because like the tower felt like it had that clean slate gray kind of aesthetic and and all the line i'm like and the vendors which were all you know some of them were kind of like alien in nature i'm like i'm like this makes me want to go back to the citadel it felt very very citadel-esque there yeah um, i really like how like slaw the aliens they show you like good some of our aren't all Straight up, just humanoids. They have different things. It's like like the 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 Elcor. They they have they walk on their hands, but like on all fours. So like, and they t- talk without by telling what their emotion is because they can't express it because they use a different thing to to communicate. Mm-hmm. The the black holes that are like mostly at eye level on the Elcor, like they've got that big Mm -hmm. bridge Mm -hmm. that's their eyes right and their nostrils are up on the top of their head yeah i think so yeah i think that's right yeah i i may have spent way too long staring at one of the Elcor, like trying to figure that out (laughs) what is going on yeah i mean you've got like the hanar that are sort of jellyfish people and even the humanoid races i think they did a really nice job distinguishing them from one another like particularly like the solarians and the, the volus and the turians and and like astari are just ladies but you know other than that th- they all are very distinct and have interest oh and the quarians too i can't forget the quarians um mm-hmm. yes because they got those like backwards knees it's it's wild uh i th- they did such a nice job of designing and like when you get to the citadel you do you kind of get like smacked in the face like oh there's a lot of aliens and it's very clear, like right out of the gate that this is not human dominated in any way, shape or form. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you go from Eden prime, which was predominantly human. I guess I, I should, I should say, I guess the geth also count as an alien race mm. that we saw on Eden prime. Um, but yeah, then you, you, you go from there and, and now, you know, even then like on the Normandy, it was all humans and, and, you know, just Nihilus was there and now it's completely reversed. It's, the humans are, I mean, are there any humans? I mean, I guess actually there are pl- a bunch of humans around on the Citadel. Oh, there's the Citadel, uh, several but, humans, which yeah. is, which kind of, I, th- I found kind of jarring at times where I'm like, we've only been here for 26 years, but there is a crap ton of humans mixed in with the aliens. Yeah. I think it, it shows how we're good at social situations and ingratiating ourselves. Or multiplying. Also true. <laughs> 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 no, the other thing though is that sequence where the Normandy docks on the Citadel. It feels to me like when uh, the Millennium Falcon goes into Cloud City for the first time, and you get that sense of like grandeur of like, okay, like here's this city in the clouds. Which I mean, it was a big deal back in the seventies and or I guess the eighties. 
uh, you know, to kind of see something like that um, on the on the big screen. But it's it's really the same effect. Like you've got this massive city with these five, you know, like, like spindles that kind of come out where the actual city is. It's it's a, a marvel of engineering, and all yeah. credit to the Protheans for putting that together. Mm-hmm. Cough, yep. cough. <laughs> GG Protheans. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, I, I know I've, I've read or heard, uh, somewhere, uh, might be Mac Waters or somebody else from the, the, um, game dev staff talked about how they wanted the Citadel to be a character. Oh, and it very uh, much is. And it very yes. much is. Yeah. And it, it has like a specific vibe and I think they, they do just, it's really great storytelling. Like where they chose to focus the budget and and the resources in this game, like one of the places is absolutely the Citadel and it was absolutely the right choice. So the one thing, the one feature that I like on the Citadel is that you have Avina, the Asari AI, or I guess it's an AI meant to look like an Asari. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Not AI. VI. VI. Yes, AIs are outlawed. That's right. It's virtual intelligence, which I am still not, I still, Struggle understanding the difference between the AI and the VIs. AI bad, VI good. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I'm with you. I it's it it is interesting, like where the demarcation point is, and if you if you spend enough time at the like Avena terminals, she goes out of her way, or they go out of their way to tell you, not an AI, right? It's kind of like um um. Uh, the the lady from the good place, not a robot. Yeah, Janet, Janet, not not a girl, not a girl, <laughs> not a robot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly. Which, if anything, it just means that Avina should be available as a love interest in Mass Effect Three. Oh boy, <laughs> modders get to it. I guess they probably already have. They Point. Probably, yeah. Point. So join us for our Good Place podcast oh in a few weeks. <laughs> Man, we, we're trying to kill Chip with all these podcasts. I can't, I can't watch that show again. It'll make me too sad at the end. Oh, uh, that was, I love the end of that. Anyway. Uh, the, that, was, that was a great show, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, no, but, uh, no, but my favorite thing, though, is like whenever you're talking to her, Shepard always winds up in a conversation branch, which is basically like, well, what do you think? And she's like, I can't tell you. Right. I don't <laughs> like, think. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not yeah. programmed to think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, why are you even asking? Like, it, it, I just find it hilarious that they, they gave Shepard the option to, to go down that route mm-hmm. because it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm fully cognizant on talking to a hologram, and I don't expect this hologram to provide any sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cogent analysis to me or any, you know, like, you know, it's like, I, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe this is, you know, this is a reflection of life being different in 20, you know, 21 as opposed to 2007, but like I have an Alexa and like, mm-hmm. I know like, I can't be like, you know, like I can be like, Hey, what's two plus two. I can't be like, you know, what do you think I should eat for lunch today? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can, and you'll always get that sort of same canned response. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I can't use the name of she who must not be named because I'm surrounded by Apple devices, but, uh, I, I, you do yeah. like if you if you ask your your intelligent assistant of choice, uh, a lot of them are pre-programmed basically to say like I'm I'm a robot. I don't I don't know. Uh, one of the Avena things. There's a conversation, and I think you have it with the one outside the Citadel Tower. Um, you can ask about the council, and then after you've been to see the council, you can be like, I've seen the council, and then, and the Avena you talk to is like impressed, like oh wow, most people don't get to do that, and it's like 
Yes. I don't, it's not, that makes no sense to me. If you're a VI, like, how could you be impressed? Like, that, it's just weird. I, I, uh, I think that might be a, a canned response there, where it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm programmed to understand that that's impressive, and okay. therefore I will react impressed. All right. Yeah. Also, when they say that no one sees a council, I'm like, this place is pretty open. There wasn't a lot of security to get in this place, and there's a crap ton of people just watching me whenever I go to the council to talk about stuff, some things that seem like they should be more uh, secretive than we were just talking about it in front of everybody. Whatever. Yeah, it is interesting. It, different characters that you bring into the Citadel Tower will actually remark about this. They'll say like, oh, it looks like there's no security, but I think like, um, I want to say Garrus is like, but there's probably like a sniper over there that has a beat on us. And I think yes. they talk about like oh, yeah. how they can fortify it. I presume with the council, like when you meet them, that they use, you know, basically magic future tech to soundproof uh, what's going on from from outside. Ah, uh, always the best magic's future tech. Yep, gotta love it. Well, also you go way up in that tower to meet them, and you're not because, you know, like, for the most part, when you're in the presidium, you're at the ground floor. But even the presidium, it feels fairly closed off. That you know, then that's kind of the point. You've got the wards where it's a little more everything goes, and this is kind of where the common folk are. And then the presidium is where you've got you know your 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 elites and your you know your upper you know probably your upper middle class, and then yeah, then the, the citadel is way up there. So even if you know, like even if the council were to come out, I I think the whole presidium probably has that you know that sniper mm. with the beat on Shepard. You know, that probably extends well beyond just the walls of the the tower. Very fair, very fair. There is a. Where's the one? I find it out over here. I had it written down. Uh, one we think about the council and stuff. We're talking about them now. It's a uh, how they consider other races outside of the Asari. The Salarians and the Turians. I'm just like, it's really weird because they call you all like lesser races. I'm like, that's kind of insulting to be calling me a lesser race just because I'm not on your very, very fancy council of. Really? Yeah, that. Oh, man, that I didn't notice that. But that is I mean, they're definitely super uppity and snooty uh, about their position. And it does it does carry across. They. The game does give you opportunities to find uh, reasons to dislike the council uh, and use that to fuel <laughs> your decisions. And I mean, they're they're good opportunities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's one of the that's the thing. I mean, even Udina comes across as a bit of a a bit of an a hole. And <laughs> part of the problem is like he, but he, the problem is he's he's like upper middle management. Like he's that classic. I'm getting crap from the guys beneath me. I'm getting crap from the guys above me, and I just like hate everybody. And he's trying to chart the best course that he can, but the council is just you know they they brush him off, and then you know like even then like you know so like he snaps at you when uh, you know like when Anderson first shows up and he brought you and and Caden and Ashley and he's like what did you bring half your crew like right you know it's like he he's he's clearly you know he he's I think he. I think overall, I think we can agree. Like, Odina's kind, you know, basically like a good guy. Like, he's just in like a crappy. Oh, you, oh okay. I feel free. To yeah. Like- okay. I just, yeah, I just pulled a face on camera. I don't. I, boy, I, I, like, in almost all my playthroughs, I save the council. And the reason I do is just because I dislike Udina so much. Like, he's yeah. just <laughs> such a surly hey. jerk. Uh, I also make sure he always gets fired or, uh, 
put Anderson in charge over Udina. I'm like, hey, Anderson, you do a better job. Get over here. Yeah, I goes I don't. And like, I mean, we'll 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 get to his whole character arc by the by the end of three, but even before that turn, um I just oh, just can't stand the dude. Uh and he seems like a worm. Like he seems very much like to your point, see, I look at him as like, yeah, he's that middle management sort of uh career civil servant. And this is not a knock on on you know people in government, but he is that archetype that is in it for power and control and in it for himself to me. And like, I I just never got the vibe from him that he actually cared about other people so much as he cared about being Udina, you know? Yeah. Cause like him getting the, trying to get human, a human spec, you're getting humans on the count game. We're powerful. Humans is not really for the humans. It's for Udina who is a human. So to get his power, he needs to have humans get the power and stuff, you know? Okay, well, I stand corrected. Well, I, no, I mean, <laughs> I was, it's, it's, I, I was, I was just going to say, like, he felt more like, like his surliness was a product of his position. Yeah, that because he's getting it from both sides, he's just naturally become that kind of person who he just projects it outward now because he's expecting to get it back. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, it's a good you know, observation, but, right? Like, I, I just, I, I just don't, I don't agree, but I mean, it's, it's an opinion thing. Like, I can definitely see where you're coming from, and that's yeah, a different. Yeah take that I've had on him, frankly, but it makes a lot yeah. of sense. I mean, he could have actually been a nice guy and eventually did things for the, for the people and then just like, screw it. This sucks. I'm just going to do the best I can with and make things easier for me. Maybe, maybe that, I'm, I'm trying to think now, maybe like, cause again, like I, I, you know, it's been a while since I played through. I'm wondering if, because if I've made different decisions with respect to his future than you did and maybe i get different reactions from him because if he does play in if he is the kind of power broker that you know he wants to climb the ladder if i give him that ladder to climb and he does he's gonna have a very different opinion of shepherd than one who can't you know because shepherd just becomes another one of those people that's blocking him at every opportunity right <laughs> instead of like letting him you know kind of you know sp- you know sprout his his wings and and you know take uh you know take control where he wants yeah so, we'll, we'll definitely We'll definitely have to track his arc, especially as our playthroughs diverge. Um, because yeah, I could I could see I could see by the end of this with some of these decisions, like we're gonna have we're gonna have discussions where it's just gonna be one of us talking about, well, this is what I saw and this is how this character reacted, and our other sides are gonna be completely different. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we'll get into that here. Um, yeah, but what'd you guys think about their 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 actual discussion with the council of like Trying to say, hey, Sarah was the one who did this. And it's like, it must have been him. He's like, like well, Saren said he didn't. So obviously it didn't happen. <laughs> I was thinking back to, I, I think it was you, uh, Kura, who mentioned this last week. Oh. If it was you, Chip, I apologize. Um, but you mentioned how Saren looks all messed up. Like he's got the... Mm-hmm. He's he's got like the the like the stitches on his and he's got like the the weird shoulder plates, and so he's there at the at the hearing in hologram form. So he's like the color, you know, he's got that orange hologram color, but the features are still visible, mm-hmm. and so no one thinks in this hearing where you're being accused of murder and you know you know things even though you have a very logical reason for saying why you know those things, um, you know, because he says uh, when, when Shepard call calls him on uh, knowing about the beacon he's like well i got nihilus's file so i know i know everything that uh not it was reported um so like you know like like 
not uh, uh, Saren has his way out of that. But like the fact is, he like if you look at him, he looks messed up, and that's never addressed. Like, hey, we're suspicious of you, you know, doing some shady stuff, and why do you look different now? Like that doesn't come up. The yeah. council, the council, very clearly, you know, I don't want to say that, that you know they they didn't give Udina and Shepard like the opportunity to air their grievances, but like once Saren was like, yeah, yeah, no, that, and they were like, okay, then we're, we're done here. We don't need to hear anything else. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the reaction, both, both council interactions you have on the Citadel, it, it feels sort of rational. I mean, aside, setting aside that he was, you know, he's modified himself effectively. I don't know how uncommon that would be inspectors, right? Like they, maybe mm-hmm. he has some side explanation for that. Uh, but it is sort of rational for, cause you come and you make some pretty big claims and they're just kind of like, you don't have evidence. Um, and I think what was it? it was like the one dock worker that saw it go down. Um, like yeah, that's not terrific evidence. So it it's an interesting interaction. Um, but I, you know, Nick, to your point, I think that their mind was made up basically from the get go, and and that comes across really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, from the council's perspective. You've, you've presumably, you've been working with Saren for a while now. You have an established relationship with him, mm-hmm. regardless of whether, or, you know, like, regardless of whether or not you, you, you know, you, you know, you, you believe him or not in this, like you, you've built up years of, you know, trust with him that for Anderson and, and Shepard to be like, oh, hey, this guy's behind it. You're like, what are you talking about? We know Saren. He's, he's one of the, you know, up until he's still a specter up until this point, they've had no reason to question his behavior. And part of that might be that specters do have a bit of a loose leash leash. So, you know, maybe he's done some stuff a little bit questionable in the past, but he's always brought results. And so yeah. you're not gonna, you know, you're not, you're not, you're gonna be like, yeah, okay. I, I know you, you know, we've gotten to lunch a few times. We're cool. These other people here. Yeah. They're, 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 they're being the a-holes. Yeah. And right. I also felt from like later on this, this conversation, they bring up Shepard's vision and like, Saren's like, okay, we're now allowing dreams as evidence. And I'm like, that is very fair. <laughs> that, 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 that is, is like, very yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize that that, that uh, one of Saren's skills was his own legal counsel. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so that's, yeah, that, that, that meeting is, uh, that here, that hearing does not go well. No. And I'm, I'm curious, like, cause did you, I guess you guys went, with your respective like Paragon and Renegade choices, did you notice any any differences or anything as far as I mean, obviously it turns out the same, but I guess as far as how Shepard at least plays it, you know, d- does d- playing it a little bit nicer or it? I mean, it doesn't matter. It didn't seem to matter from what I saw. It's like, it's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's more like this is expected, so you know. Yeah, I think um, not not as much in the first conversation. By by the second one, you can really start making it clear yeah. what you think of the council right to them, which is great. Um, uh, and it leads to, frankly, a little bit of awkward dialogue on the renegade side. But you know, is like I, m- most of my responses were basically like, "Look, you've already made up your minds." And I think th- I like the renegade conversation tree there because it to me feels more authentic to the situation. Um, and the Paragon one is is you sort of being polite and and politicking well, but uh, Renegade definitely just expresses like, okay, look, this was rigged from the get go, uh, and they don't care either way. They don't like right. reprimand you for for being mean to them or anything, though. 
Well, I wonder if that says anything, again, going back to the relationship between Saren and the, the council, where they'll let Shepard kind of get, you know, in their face and, and uh, you know, angry in front of them and express that frustration. But they still, they still, I mean, you know, later on, you know, he, they still let him become a specter. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, it might be common even then for them to get into disagreements with the specters and the specters to, you know, lash out at them to a degree. But I think everybody understands at the end of the day, like you're the specter, you go out there, you do the, we don't necessarily want to know what you're doing, but you make sure the galaxy is protected and okay. And you get everything done and we're the council and we're going to keep our hands clean and we're just going to, you know, well, huh. tilt our head up and we'll hide the bodies when necessary. <laughs> right. Pretty much. Yeah. We'll give you uh, a closet, you fill it with skeletons. Don't tell mm-hmm. us about it. Speaking of the Citadel Tower and where the, the meeting takes place and skeletons, right? <laughs> I do want to highlight uh going back to our discussion of, of about Avina a moment ago. I do want to highlight that outside the Citadel Tower, uh she does point out that there's a relay monument, a monument to the relays, and I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. That uh and again, and they're like, we don't know who built it or why it's here. We just know that there's a monument to the relays um, to indicate that the, the you know, the, the Protheans, when they built the Citadel, um, because again, the, the, the official history of the Citadel is that it was built by the Protheans, found by the Asari, and then they all moved in to kind of make it the galactic capital. Yeah. No one thought it was weird at all that there is a monument to the mass relays there. I think, I mean, if you consider the mass relays, I mean, because look at how humanity's reaction to them. This is like a mind-blowing technology. You know, it pushed us ahead. What did uh, Anderson say? Like 200 or 300 years? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can understand that, okay, like these relays are a huge technological feat, and they are super impressive. And so you could understand why you would want to celebrate them with a monument. Um, but I do find it interesting that Avina does point out that that's there because that's not the kind of thing that might be relevant later at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Definitely never yeah. comes up again. Nope. Oh, yeah. I, I do also. Oh, you, you go ahead. Go you're you're going to start with it anyway, so no worries. No, I was just going to say the other thing, though, that I do like they do have that big monument to the uh, the Krogan-Rackney War. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just a big Krogan statue in the middle of the courtyard, like I and like ah, oh, that's I, I I want that in my yard. We're getting our, our backyard redone. I want uh, I want a Krogan statue in my backyard. Yeah, <laughs> one thing we also haven't mentioned yet is also a big thing on the citadel and around the monument and the tower are the keepers. Yes, so, I wanted to get to them. Thank you. Is it like it's so interesting? Like because like uh, they're, they're these little bug things that take care of the tower, take care of the tower, and everything else there. And it's like. I don't know, like they like they were just so strange because they don't really interact with anybody. They're just there fixing the station. They got little ro- they got little mechanical things on their back, and they're just working on doing th- getting things done. It's funny because there's one uh, there's one part I, th- I forget which lounge it's in, but in one of the lounges, like you can walk over and there's a uh, a Solarian and a human woman talking, and she's complaining that like the keepers keep coming into her office and rearranging oh, yeah. everything. Yeah, and then she's like, "Yeah, I put it all back," and then they come back the next day and they just rearrange it again. And she's like, "I can't, I can't come like I, if I approach them, they run away, and then a different one comes and takes care of everything." If I, you know, I have no, there's no keeper manager to report to. Right, <laughs> they're just doing this, and they don't have any ostensible purpose. Um, yeah, but yeah, they they are they are very fascinating. Um, it, it is as a. It's weird to me that the, you know, the Asari and, and the Slarians, they, they've been on the Citadel for, I think, hundreds of years at this point. 
And it's just odd to me that like nobody was like, ah, let's actually go track down the keepers and like try and learn more about them. Like, oh no, no, no that we did, we, they, they, they actually have. I kind of for a side quest. They have tried to do it, but if you try to just scan or do anything with other keepers like that, they self destruct. Yeah, I, which I, I would find very suspicious. But that's just right. Me. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like the the weird like level of acceptance that they have for the keepers is so it's so odd to me. I guess. Well, I th- I think the key there is that it's been hundreds of years because like yeah like you figure for the first little while you're like eventually you're just gonna get frustrated and give up and be like look they they're, they don't seem like they're doing anything wrong okay they move around the stuff in that one lady's office that's weird but that's not they're not they don't kill anybody mm. they don't do anything harmful the only people they hurt are themselves when they self destruct yeah at some point you're just like it, it's. They're like bugs in the background and like you don't even I'm sure like they don't even see them at some level, which mm-hmm. I mean, if you think I mean, it's it's almost kind of like if you think about, you know, not to to get like too political or anything, but like, you know, in like upper class towers or something when you like you, you stop seeing like the cleaning staff oh, and you just yeah. walk past them and you don't even consider like, you know, oh, that's a person there and they they celebrate holidays and they got a family and stuff. And it's like, no, you just walk past them because you they're, they're effectively in the background right. to your world where you're you're doing whatever. I've never had this moment in life, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never felt I this nice way. All the cleaning staff, but I definitely, I definitely get. What, yeah, because like, like back when I was in the office, like if, if it was late at night, uh, the cleaning folks would come through and you know empty people's garbages and all that stuff. And and a lot of people at the office definitely do have that sort of like, uh, I guess like just just a gap in their vision or something where they just like don't even notice these folks. Um, I like to say hi, yeah. but but yeah, it is. I guess it is probably kind of like that. And these are little weird alien bug dudes, so it's probably a lot easier to just be like, uh, yeah, sure, there they are. Yeah. What what I find weird is that the Asari, with all their like like telepathy and like their mental acuity, like they don't pick up anything off them. Mm-hmm. Like, and they should find that like to be really concerning. Right, <laughs> that's a big sign. You know, they don't. They 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 can't they can't get telepathy. That means something's missing. Yeah, it's they're they they are fascinating. I, I find it funny because uh, uh, I, I, uh you may you may uh, know this uh, playing uh, World of Warcraft Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. There's the the brokers in Oribos, and that was the first thing when everybody got there. they were like these remind me of the keepers <laughs> from Mass Effect. Yeah, <laughs> like they're just kind of there doing their thing, and it's like something's not right with them and i can't play <laughs> like they give off the same vibe um very uncomfortable yeah, we'll vibe in- yeah exactly so no we'll we'll get into that later there is a uh, a side quest that does relate to the keepers uh that we will talk about but um yeah they're they're fascinating the other one the other one other detail i do want to mention is that uh i think it's avena who who points out or it might just be um one other observer that the keepers they are all over the citadel but there are like heavily concentrated around Citadel Tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that controls the controls the uh, the Citadel. That's a very important. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah they're 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 fascinating. They're they're one of the I would dare say they're one of the I mean as much as any of the other characters they're one of the you know they're an iconic feature to mass effect mm-hmm. you can't think of mass effect without considering the keepers in some fashion and that very good side quest that everybody loves yes which we'll get to <laughs> so so other things that you can't think about when you th- or you you can't help but think about when you think about mass effect 
are uh, characters like Garrus Vakarian, yes. who yeah. we we have met at this point now. Um, you know the the can we say he's a disgruntled CSEC officer? He feels like a disgruntled CSEC officer. Yeah. I want to say officer. Super disgruntled, yeah. So you know we we encounter him and he he clearly has a a, a grudge against Saren. <laughs> he has no no beef with trying to go after him and. He's, you know, and so we we're able, we encounter him. Uh, we meet. We will first. We first meet him on our way into, uh, into the uh, the tower there. That he's outside arguing with uh, Executor Palin, his boss, and his boss is like, "Shut the investigation down." Like any any good like buddy cop movie. At some point, the boss, you know, you're getting too close. I'm getting too much heat on yeah, me. Yeah, shut yeah. this down. <laughs> yeah. This was always interesting. It's like it's like you've got. It's like I have evidence. Almost doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Hand in your badge and your gun mm-hmm. and go home. <laughs> You're suspended, McBain. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of gun, one thing also. Well, they this 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 they let you wing weapons into way too many places in this game that you really shouldn't be allowed to bring weapons into. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Yeah, you just you I think, pack heat in like like who's going to a nightclub packing heat? That's wild. I kept um I've been like taking notes as I play through, so I'm tabbing out of the game to go over to my notepad. And it took me a while to realize that uh, I forget what I was hitting when I would tab back in, but as soon as I would tab back in, I would draw my weapons. It didn't matter what situation I was in. So I'd be like in like the one of the lounges or something, and I tab back. All of a sudden, I got my weapons drawn, and like the music turns up, like it's ready for combat. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like it's it's not necessary. We don't we don't need that. Keep it keep it light. And a few times I've accidentally had a, an accidental discharge. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I mean, it, nobody was hurt, thank goodness, but uh, I, did, I did pop off in the office. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it is funny because, yeah, you can – the way that they did one, and they, I, they clean this up in two and three, so you just aren't carrying. Like, there's combat zones and non-combat zones, but um, it is funny in, in one. Like, you can just, just kind of shoot shots down the hallway or whatever, and, and nobody, nobody reacts. It's a little weird. They see us as the keepers. They're just like you're. You're, you're beneath us. You're not here. Yeah. Uh, gun, gunfire. That's normal, right? <laughs> and they just sort of like put in the if you point your gun directly at somebody, you know, Shepard like pulls up so you can't shoot. But but you can you can shoot around right next to somebody's head, and they just go on with their lives. Nerves of steel. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it's that, that hard life in the Presidium. It toughens you up. Sure. It just seems like it would, right? Mean streets of the Presidium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like an, an, an in-game uh, movie or TV series. CSI Presidium. Yeah, that, that, exactly. Well, that, yeah, that, <laughs> CSEC Presidium. There So do we have anything else to say about the intro to the uh the intro to the uh the council and the citadel and the keepers and all that stuff? No, I don't think so. I mean, I I think we we hit on all the notes. Um I'm I'm excited to talk about CSEC and their use or non-use in this game. <laughs> yes. 
Well, let's um, let's get into that. Let's uh, hear what happens to uh, finish up our interactions in the Citadel with the uh, at least with the main story part, and then we'll go from there. Barla Vaughn informs Shepard that CSEC apprehended a Krogan mercenary who can help with the mission. Shepard heads to CSEC and meets the Krogan whose name is Rex. He agrees to help take down Saren after he finishes his current mission, assassinating Fist, the owner of Gentleman's Club Cora's Den in the Lower Wards. Rex informs Shepard that Fist knows about a Quarian with evidence linking Saren to the Geth. Rex also informs Shepard that Garrus went after a lead in the medical bay. Shepard and team head there to find Garrus in a standoff with some thugs who have taken Dr. Michelle hostage. Shepard, Garrus, and the others dispatch the thugs and learn they were sent by Fist because the doctor knew about the Quarian. The team heads to Korra's den and defeats Fist and his goons, but not before Fist reveals that the Quarian is being set up in an ambush. Shepard and crew race to save the Quarian, who proves she can more than take care of herself. After the ensuing firefight, Talizora Nar Raya heads with the rest of the squad up to Ambassador Udina's office, where she shares her evidence, a recording of Saren and Matriarch Benizia discussing the Geth and the Reapers. Everyone takes this evidence to the Council, who finally listen to reason, and appoint Shepard a Spectre. They send the Commander and crew off to reign in Saren, and Anderson steps down to let Shepard take the Normandy. Shepard's first decision is which lead to chase, head to Pharos where Geth were sighted, head to Noveria where Geth were sighted, or head to Artemis Tau to meet the daughter of Matriarch Benizia, Dr. Liara Tassoni. All right. So, so here's what I'm curious about is that when we, maybe I should have mentioned this going into the clip. Um, but before we, uh, you know, when we finish up talking to the council, basically we come up with three leads we have as far as where to go next with respect to Saren. We can go talk to Harkin, uh, the, the, uh, the disgraced CSEC officer who is hanging out in Cora's den. He's, he's basically like a drunkard. Uh, we can talk to Barla Vaughn, who works for the Shadow Broker, um, who that that's a, an interesting character we'll get into. Or we can go talk to Garrus and see if we can find what Garrus is up to. And so I want to hear from you guys because I missed out on talking to Harkin. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how this is going to reverberate through the series. Um, but did you guys go talk to Harkin at all? What did find him in Korra's Den? How did that go? I went to talk to Harkin first, and um, it was all right going to Harkin, just going to a nice little space strip club, mm-hmm. have a little fun time. <laughs> I I skipped Harkin this playthrough. There's times I've gone and talked to him. He he sucks. Um, it is interesting that he just will not talk to you. Uh, you know, once you once you complete the business you have in Korra's Den, um. Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm kind of sad. I didn't really mean to skip him this time. It just ended up coming, like, playing out that way. Because uh, I really would have liked to berate him. And, and I don't know if there's an option on the Renegade playthrough to just deck the dude. But it would have it would have been nice if there was. Yeah. There's... I don't know, you going to say Kara? I was going to say, like, it's, he's a very interesting character to talk to first. Because it's like... They, the reason he's there, he's like, the first, the first human who became a seasick officer. Loud in the forces, which now you look over, there's tons of humans in CSEC, mm-hmm. which I think we mentioned CSEC means Citadel Security, if anybody wasn't aware. But, uh, God, this guy annoys the shit out of me, though, <laughs> because he all he does is bitch, bitch, mm-hmm. bitch. He's like, man, 
I don't get why they don't like me, why they keep throwing me out of here. Like, so what did I took a little off the top? So what if I, like, rough up the suspects and everything else? So what if people that may have died, I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're a terror. Listen to yourself. You're a very bad cop, and you've somehow gotten to keep your job. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, the the, pro- the problem is that he's like a renegade specter, but at like too low a level to actually get away with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the weirder part about it is he's very much like Garrus, except Garrus doesn't drink. Mm. <laughs> probably about right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that's one of the, the interesting things to kind of go back to Garrus is the way that you can kind of, you know, like Garrus has those instincts to like, hey, like, okay, like I know what we need to do here. I know what the right thing to do is. But we kind of not we need to not be right in order to get there. Like Garrus has no problem like kind of going off book to to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And depending on whether you play Paragon or Renegade, you can nurture those tendencies, or you can kind of be like, no, 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 bad dog, no, bad Turian, bad Turian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, one thing I want to mention: when I go to Kor's Den to meet to talk to Harkin, you could have a really fun interaction with a. Uh, one of our future squad mates, Erdnart Rex, is there dealing with oh, shit. Oh, he was there? Yeah. Oh, uh, so wait, what happened there? That's one of my first interactions. He, uh, he's having a fight with some random Krogans, which I thought the, the dialogue was kind of interesting. They're like, telling Rex, I think, uh, the story's not over. And he's like, well, yeah, it's only beginning. Which is huh. really like, yeah, it's the first game. <laughs> it's the very beginning. And then I have, I have Ashley in there. And she's like, uh, humans should probably be staying out of this. We should we shouldn't be getting in the middle. Hmm. And I'm wondering, like, are are you guys taking a little the stab at like humans should really probably stop getting in the in the middle of things, and especially this Reaper conflict we have coming up? Probably not intentional, but it was just amusing. Yeah, I missed that because uh, I think I in in I don't know if I've ever seen that scene because I feel like every time I end up somehow end up in CSEC before I ever get to Korra's den. That's cool. Yeah. Because that's like when the first time you find out the one of the guys who, who knows where Tally is, you get to see them first there, interact huh. there. Okay. So, uh, it's also interesting that you can go to Corazon and get a lap dance from Asari, but I'm like, all right. Yeah, you don't, you don't actually get a lap dance as far as I can tell. Um, or can, is there like a private room thing that I don't know about? <laughs> Okay, okay. It's more of you could sit down and watch the yeah. dance in front of you, all sexy. I guess I was. That was another thing I was surprised they left in the game. Um, it's fine. I don't. I don't really have feelings about one way or the other. But um, I do really enjoy it's... your your squad mates' comments, like uh, the women in the squad who are just kind of like, "Huh, this is uh, we're going here, huh, Shep? All right." <laughs> <laughs> We don't explicitly disapprove, but we don't approve either. Yeah. So we, <laughs> yes, I, I don't. I don't know if they don't disapprove because I had a right. I had a fun interaction with a uh, Caden Ashley that makes say otherwise. Uh oh. But I don't know if you guys want to finish up your conversations here before yeah. I move on to that. No, go no, ahead. Nope. Uh, I'm, I'm now. I'm curious what what happened. Well, uh, we were like we were up in the uh, upper area near the market, looking over the uh, citadel. I have Caden Ashley at party because I haven't fully unlocked everybody else, and they're like. Like, man, it's so amazing how huge the Citadel is. It's like, is this why aliens, uh, they're asking, like, why people should accept humans? And Shepard's like, aliens will love humans for our beaches and our women and our emotion of love. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. 
Okay. Pretty sure all the rest of these races have love. But yeah. But then Ash is like, makes a, she's, she's like, makes a comment of like, oh, you're not going to get me caught in one of those reels in a tinfoil skirt or in thigh high boots. I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty funny. What is this tinfoil skirt? <laughs> good question. And but, but Shepard's like, says like, ah, hey, don't worry about it, okay? It's like, you, you, Ash will never wear those. And Ashley, my character looked down, looked kind of sad. She's like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm not oh. sure it's because I was playing a male shepherd, but she's very sad that I would not want to see her in a tinfoil skirt and thigh-high boots. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody that be... in that. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> that, that should be armor available in like Mass Effect 3 that you can put on. <laughs> I don't know. Edie gets kind of close. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. But... Yeah, I just remember ever having this interaction, so I thought it was interesting. I'm like, huh. That's... Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm, mm, maybe I have. I don't know. In a while, yeah. Well, well, we we have to have some discussions about Ashley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I've, also, I don't understand why like they said humans love beaches. I'm like, don't don't other alien races have beaches, or is that very very uh, only Earth? I mean, I feel like the Hanar they have a whole culture that seems to be centered around beaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> And the ocean. Yeah, I think like the Hanar probably already enjoy beaches enough for the entire galaxy, I would guess. Maybe they very specifically meant the Bette Midler, Deborah Hershey, or Barbara Hershey beaches movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. That's a good cut. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, that movie. Well, deep cut, but. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Uh, anyways, uh, next one you guys got. It's like I after I derailed this by accident. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, uh, Chip, you went right to CSEC Then it sounds like yeah. So I went to went to CSEC, um, picked up Rex, went to the med clinic, and like did some side quests. Hopped around, so I got like Rex and Garrus right away, and then obviously kicked the humans out of my party because really, please. Uh, then went to Barlavan. Then did the the Korra's Den mission. Yeah, isn't it at all weird how how easy it is to get our our squad mates on in, in Mass Effect One? It is weird, yeah. Like, like we almost get almost the full party except for Liara, and like not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yes, but the, the thing is, like, I think Mass Effect Two is very much about the journey of putting the party together. Mm-hmm. That you have to go out and get everybody. And here it's like, no, this this journey is about this party. Like, we kind of want everybody here as quickly as possible. And so let's just kind of like, this is all just formalities. Let's just get everybody here. Because it's very convenient. You go to the Citadel and it's like Rex and Tally and Garrison right there. And then the first place you go after the Citadel, if you want, you can go pick up Liara immediately. Mm-hmm. Or, you, you know, or you, or you can delay on that. I mean, that's, you know, you have that choice. But... Yeah, this game is very much about you've established the party and then the the party's going to be with you through the through what happens and and you know your decisions so you can see how your decisions reverberate off of them. Yes, they're all going to be with and us I, and all I, of them. <laughs> well, yeah, and, or but even but, but but not even talking about like those decisions, but like I was saying earlier about like Garrus where you can you know, you can kind of bend him to to go along with oh like you know you're gonna be you're gonna be good you're gonna you know you're let's let's encourage you to be uh you know kind of wild Garrus uh you know you can you can play with the you can play with your your squad mates that way and that's very much 
what this game is about. Mass Effect Two, where yeah, you you spend like half the game just recruiting everybody, mm-hmm. and you but you get to be fair, you recruit a lot of people. Oh, <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. So I mean, that's particularly with the DLC in that game and like the added characters. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot. I feel like your crew is like fourteen strong or something like that. It's a yeah. ton of people. They, yeah, there's a reason why you, like they had to expand the Normandy is because you need you need rooms for all yeah, those people. For real. <laughs> That's the other thing that threw me once I started getting everybody on board is I'm like, oh, everybody's just like down in the hangar. Right. <laughs> like, oh. like I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, no, I got to go to all of these different rooms to check out everybody. And I think I think what like Liara is in the one calm room. But other than that, like Ashley and uh, Ashley and Rex and Garrus are all down in the hangar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tally's in engineering and Caden's uh, over by the by the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got to get a quick bite to eat, you know. Yeah, always. Well, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because I forgot. Like, and I, I shouldn't say I forgot. Like I never paid much attention to Caden in all my past playthroughs. But when uh, Doctor Chakwas is like, "Oh yeah, he gets migraines from, uh, you know, his biotic powers or whatever." Like that was his little side effect. I'm like, poor dude, just got headaches all the time. And it's like, I, I you know, I, I, I crept all over him in prior playthroughs. And it's like, I, I, I might, I might be a little more sympathetic to him here. Like, you know, we'll get you some, get you some Tylenol or something. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. You know, the bad thing about that is he got the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Getting so. biotic powers does not seem great. Well, it's not the biotic powers; it's the implants to control the biotic powers. Fair, yeah. Which is one thing that's kind of interesting. Biotics in the universe is not like basically just magic; it's science and magic because it's like I don't know. It's magic. Just, it is magic, yeah. but you gotta have like these like little track things in your head to make you mm-hmm. be able to control them. I'm like, still don't fully understand how that works. I don't think the Asari do. I think it's just humans. You know, sorry, have 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 the implants too. Oh, do it, they? It comes up. It co- it comes up in Navaria later on. Oh, okay. They have they have patents on these. Right. Yes, right. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Don't know. But apparently, like, everybody came. Everybody comes to figuring out biotics when they get to mass get the Ezo because uh, the humans were working on it before they met the aliens. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so let's get back. We talked a little bit about him, but um, we do get Rex to join our party. Mm-hmm. We go into, uh, we find him in CSEC being uh, not really arrested, but kind of like in a bit of a confrontation with the cops there. And, uh, you know, we, we get him out of there and he's just the Krogan Merc. He's there to take care of the fist who owns Cora's den. Yeah. And, you know, and we get him into the party and yeah, at that point, like you said, it, it, my party is just Garrison Rex, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take to make me change them. Well, actually, I know what it's going to take to maybe change them. It's going to be when Garrus says, "Like, shouldn't shouldn't Liara be here?" <laughs> but yeah, but other than that, um, that also really shows the ineffectiveness of Csec at that moment because he's literally threatening officers and saying he will kill them, and they're like, "Eh, whatever. We could arrest you, but we really can't." <laughs> again i think that i think a little, that has to do a little bit with the presidium like i don't think they're used to dealing with krogan mercs up in the no well, actually, the, no they're down in the wards that's right yeah. they're yeah. the lowers never mind. never mind never mind they should yeah they they c-sec does seem a little bit out outmanned in the wards yeah he like they're not just in, in the in the ward he's literally in c-sec's area like they're literally there like 
Totally like going to a police station and threatening an officer in the station. Right. Yeah, that nothing seems, happening. Um, yeah, that seems unwise. I feel like CSEC, the portrayal or the way they come across to me is definitely. Uh, I don't know if they're not an effective policing force, but they're certainly a lot hmm, more forgiving, shall we say, than I would expect from from a police force, especially a police force for what is effectively like a huge city. Right. Like the idea is that the amount of people in the Citadel and all the wards is like larger than I want to say New York or somewhere in that scope. And and mm-hmm. yeah, CSEC seems to have a lot of chill for for a police force for a population of that size. Yeah, and is it weird that uh, Executor Pallet, I think he was the head of CSEC, is so far away from CSEC? Yeah. He's in the embassies. He's like right next to where the human embassy is. He's not at the, like the, I could maybe understand a little bit if he was in like the Citadel Tower working with them, but he's like, no, he's in the embassies. I'm like, why are you over here? Is he, is he the head of CSEC or, because I thought he was, yes, he is the head of CSEC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. He's he yeah because he seems more like like the the like the council liaison to CSEC or right. something especially with that position yeah and that might be that might be the problem is that even though he's technically the head like that's his functional role is to be away from that and that's why CSEC is so ineffective and in in because he he is away from it and that might be something something that would need to be addressed if if we wanted to take this game into let's go fix CSEC sure. instead of let's let's save the galaxy yeah <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh, but so so we get we get Rex in the party, and uh, yeah. Any, any thoughts on him and his uh, his his contributions to the group? I wish I really like Rex. I I feel like they didn't. Um, it doesn't come across here yet, but I feel like they could have done more with his character in the game. Um, because I I mean the Krogan are just so interesting, and like he his position as a Krogan and like the way that he feels about his people uh, and, and their whole struggle, I think is, is really, really fascinating because he doesn't act like a lot of Krogan are portrayed. Uh, He seems to have more like vision and forward thinking. Um, So it it is really weird that you just kind of bump into him and he's like, yeah, sure. I'm in, I guess I, it's it's like yeah. I, I just I, I feel like they sat down and tried to like plan out this interaction and, and him joining you and ha- there's just a trash can full of attempts at this and they finally just said you know what simple is good let's not overthink it just get him in the party somehow and, and moved on. He he seems I don't want to say like weary but he he seems you know he he's just like a veteran to the point where like he's. He's just he's like he knows how things are going to go and he's like, you know, we can either just like let things kind of just happen and we'll like, no, there's no point in resisting, no point in going through all the conflict. Like, just we'll just go, you know, this is going to be the end state. So let's go ahead and get there or, you know, or, or, or you know, or otherwise he's like, OK, like he definitely has a, he, if, I want to say he feels like he has a stronger sense of right and wrong than most Krogan seem yes. to. Yeah. Where and, and it could and it could just be that th- these are the Krogan because of the, the because of what we're doing, we're more liable to meet the Krogan mercenaries who have kind of thrown out the rule book and are very much playing for the wrong team than uh you know than the, your average Krogan. But I think it also speaks to I think Rex's position. I mean he like depending like he he has the opportunity. I don't want to get too much into like spoilers for his arc, but he has the opportunity to I think be be proven to be sort of a special Krogan mm-hmm. that he's not you know he's not he's not your typical 
you know, because for the most part, Krogans are just like meathead thugs that, you know, they've, they're, they've got extra, you know, they're the, they're the brutes that show up to, you know, enforce and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And Rex is definitely smarter than that. And I think he, he understands that and he knows he lets that work to his advantage sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I liked one of his interactions later on. Like it's not really spoiled. He's like, Krogan's get a chance to either save our species or go fight things and get paid. They'll 100% go and fight things and get paid. Right. Well, the, speaking of saving their species, the other thing, too, is that you do get the first hint of the genophage mm -hmm. in uh, in the elevator. Oh, yeah. That there's an there's an elevator story about how the Krogan are suing a bio, biotech company. And I forgot to write down which biotech company. I don't if, if they say it um, about how they promised that they were going to uh, release a, or do a survey that was supposed to uh, indicate there may be a cure for their. Uh, what was it there? Uh, genetic the genophage uh yeah no they, they didn't they didn't actually say genophage oh. they they used a specific term um but uh yeah but uh it was gen it was genetic something uh, i'm trying to remember what that was here yeah it was the genetic sterilization that's what it was okay. um and uh yeah and 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 so you don't you, you know they don't actually come out and say it's the genophage yet but like you're like okay like that's the first teasing of like what that's going to be and and obviously is you know we'll get into it that 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 weighs heavily on on Rex as we go through his his arc uh, going forward here, um, but then we also get uh, our fifth crew member at this point, which would be Tally. Yeah, after after I should have wrote down her full name. Uh, Tally Zora. <laughs> Tally's yeah, it's like Tally Zora Vass Raynad or something. Something. Yeah, I've yeah. I've I, I have trouble remembering because every time like. She has a different name after after this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I always think of her as Voss Normandy personally, but you yeah. know. Yeah. Talizora Naraya. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I completely forgot that was her original name before. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I think the Quarian's last names change based on like what ship they're on. Yeah. Well, I mean, not on, on but like affiliated, like what ship they're crewed uh, for. Yes. So yeah, and the Corys, yeah, so the Corys are such an interesting race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, they're they're fascinating because I think one of the things that Bioware did very well in this game is that they introduce all these races, but then also all the races have this interconnected history, like the uh, like the Turians and the 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 Krogan and the Rachni, how they all play together and then the Salarians got involved there as far as the genophage and all, all, all like their tangled web of, of of history and then here we've got the Quarians who created the Geth and then got chased out of their own galaxy by the Geth right yeah, yeah. And it's even it's even interesting because they actually weren't even working on AI with their Geth like they were just they designed just very like machines that could work together they weren't supposed to make decisions yeah yeah they weren't then supposed they to question their existence or whatever um yeah, it's it's it is really interesting, and this is the place where, like to to your point, Nick, they Bioware really hits it out of the park in terms of the universe, the galaxy feels lived in, like it feels like a living entity with like a deep history, uh, and that's something that that Bioware just does so exceptionally here. Mm -hmm. The history where humans are just getting a part of, like trying to figure out how we like, because there was thousands of years where there were no humans bothering these people now they're like mm -hmm. here's these weird monkeys 
<laughs> What's a monkey? Exactly. You mean pie jacks? <laughs> that too. <laughs> so then, so yeah, so we got Tally and and it sounds kind of rude because like we're all excited. We got Garrus in our party. We got Rex in our party. And like, oh yeah, then Tally shows up too. Oh like, no, no, oh no, her. no, She's... no. Tally is my member that's always on my team. Same. I will get, there we go. I will, I will get rid of Garrus or Rex over Tally. Like Tally is. Always on my team. Doesn't matter. She's she is my I, my favorite. So so Tally is always. I I actually really like Tally, but in Mass Effect One, the reason that she's almost always on my team is because she has decryption and hacking. And so unless I play a class that uh, or decryption and electronics, unless I play a class that yes. has those, I cannot abide walking by a treasure chest. I can't open. I just can't. <laughs> um, oh yeah. I didn't realize there wasn't one. There was ones you couldn't open. Yeah, there's if there's certain level of like difficulty of decryption or whatever, you just you can't open them. You can come back to them um, if they're not, you know, like the random ones you find out on different planets. You can come back to, but but other than that, like, yeah, yeah I just pump her stats immediately. Yeah, I, I do love her AI hacking though, because it's always fun to take one of the uh, the Gef primes, the giant ones, and have mm-hmm. them beat up everybody. Mm-hmm. She's very important to this because, like, literally, we're trying to figure out how to get Sarah, and it's like she shows up like, "Yeah, I found a Geth. I got his black box. Here's a recording. Does that help? <laughs> Is this anything? Right. Like, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Well, what's What's impressive about her too is that you're going to help her out and save her from that ambush, and then she like throws grenades or whatever, and she like she was ready for yeah. it. She's like she she's not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> like you think, and she comes across. She comes across as like this, like kind of like this, this almost like a like a petite little like not like a, like almost like a damsel, uh, you know, for 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 lack of a better word there. That like and it's like no no, she can handle herself. She's clearly been around the galaxy a bit. Like she's she's I don't know if she's seen some stuff, but she's at least familiar enough with stuff to be like I'm ready to see some stuff. They make it yeah. really clear when she meets up with the guy in the alley, and you see that, and he's kind of like, hey, where's the recording? And she says, where's the broker? And you know, and, and then he's like, oh, he's not coming. And she's just like, okay, deal's off. I'm out. Like she, yeah. you know, she took the bait and kind of got set up, but she figures it out very quickly. Yeah. I also like how they literally, it's just outside of Cora's den. Like, <laughs> things. It's like the guy who wants to, who's getting dinner. It's like, like yeah, we'll just be the alleyway next to the place. Don't come inside. We don't worry about that. It's just come the alleyway. I'm like, it's, it's funny though. Cause you get that timer like, Oh, you got to hurry and get there in time. And then it's like, yeah, it's like, Oh, I literally just walked like two flights over. Like, it wasn't. I, <laughs> I definitely failed that timer the first time I think, because I just didn't know where they were. T- I like, I wasn't proficient in the use of the map or something. Yes. And I, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it's like, yeah, like, yeah. 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 Later on when you're like, Oh yeah, it's like literally, yeah, you know exactly where it is. You're just like, oh, yeah, right. that, that was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I think I, I think because you get into that one, there's like a few guards outside Cora's den. You got that like mm-hmm. opening where like the the walkways around and that big opening in the yeah. middle. And I remember like I got into a very protracted firefight there because I was I, again like because I mean other than Eden Prime, like you, you spell, that's the other thing about the Citadel is like you have little bits of fu- like actual combat, but they're very they're very sparse. The Citadel is a lot of oh, yeah. talking and dialogue and going around. Yes. And so like yeah, all of a sudden you get into that Cora's den sequence. You're like oh actual actual gameplay actual combat and you're like crap i haven't done this in a while right right <laughs> oh, yeah i forgot about the assassination attempt i'm like oh yeah you did get us try so tried to kill you oh, yeah, yeah yeah 
it's it's very it's little because like when you go and you storm Korra's den before you go back out to find her, I feel like there there's a good amount of combat there, and and then yeah, it it's almost like a little like footnote tacked on at the end when you walk outside and there's like yeah, there's a couple more guys. Although the gameplay kind of like makes it kind of weird when you do that because like you you have that little fight in Korra's den, you go out get Tally come back in, everybody's the patrons Everybody's are cool. all back. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, seasick. Should you be like, uh, putting some like yellow tape up there? It's like, like, like a crime scene, <laughs> right? Right. There's even like a, a a side quest, um, where you have to go back into Fist's office, uh, and you, you go in there, and it's like everything's still just overturned. There's nobody in there. Nobody seems to have a problem with this. It's it's sort of bizarre. Does I, I think the better question is, does anybody know that Fist is actually? I mean, they must because you you cleared out the bar, right. but like everybody came back after. Like, so did nobody go? Like, oh, Fist, Fist just needs some time alone. Like, did nobody? But his body's not there, right? Like, yeah, so, yeah. It, it is a little weird. Yeah, but I, I guess this again maybe just goes to C-Sec's general mismanagement. That <laughs> they really, yeah. they really need to get get on the ball. Seriously. here. one thing I'll say that's that's, that's nice for for at least Fist and his guys, at least before the firefight. They got all the patrons out, though. They didn't, like, just shoot the bar attendees. At least nice of them do that part. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so. And then I guess one one final thing to mention is that we do get the history between Anderson and Saren all explained. And Anderson's history that he was supposed to be the first human specter, and he went on the mission with Saren, and Saren kind of intentionally tanked the mission to 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 get uh, Anderson screwed over mm-hmm. and so Anderson got passed over for being the specter and that's why there's bad blood between the two of them and and also why Anderson is so supportive of you being the specter because you get to be you get to be the the thing that he never got to be that you you're 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 getting to fulfill the, the mission that he he was unable to yeah, yeah. and if, if you guys ever want to find out more about it there is a nice book called Mass Effect Revelation that basically tells the full story of Saren and Anderson's interaction and the mission they did that caused all the things to go to hell. Also, the first introduction of Sovereign, and you also get to see him in there, too. Oh, interesting. <sighs> Just add more to the old summer reading list, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love all the, I love the expanded books. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta dip into those. Since you talked about them, I was like, oh, shit, I gotta read these, yeah. It's it's more stuff where you can see like oh this makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's good to good to get all that backstory on Anderson. One other thing that I didn't understand is that when you go to the council the second time and you've got the recording of Benicia's voice, Eden Prime was a major victory. The beacon has brought us one step closer to finding the conduit, and one step closer to the return of the Reapers. They don't bring Saren in. Last time they had Saren, it made sense. It was a hearing about Saren's role. Like, okay, so they had Saren on, like, hollow, you know, speakerphone, but, like, this time they don't even bother again. They're like, oh, just play the recording. Okay, now we understand Saren's a bad dude. Yeah. (laughs) They flip on him, like, so fast and so hard. Mm Mm-hmm. They flip him so fast, and also, like, they literally launch straight into making you a Spectre. It's like, that was quick. Yeah. It's, this is, this is an interaction in this game that I think doesn't actually go, it's it's not as well constructed as other ones, I would say, because it doesn't feel very authentic. Like you go, you play the recording for them. They're like, OK, cool. Um, you can go hunt Saren down, I guess. It, it, just 
it, it, it's very strange. And then and then they're like, oh, by the way, you're a Spectre now. Um, and there's it it never for me feels like I, the game wants it to feel very important and empowering. And you can there's like people in the gallery watching and and there's just the uplifting music of just right. like, da, da. and it it it's supposed to feel like this big you know ceremonious event. And I never I never did come out. I was like. So that happened, I guess. That's weird. It just doesn't doesn't feel like it fits. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess I'm a Spectre now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very you anticlimactic. Want... Hey, at least you now have access to the Spectre gear over on the NCSEC, which I know, by the time I had enough money to afford the gear, my gear was already better than that. Mm -hmm. So that was unfortunate. <laughs> It's a, it's a scam. We <laughs> that's what C is just a weapons and armor scam. That's all. That's why they don't protect anything. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's all just a front for for moving military equipment. I exactly. Yeah. That's why. That's why you have to go get get in on that one uh, that one mod dealer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> he's he's horning in on C sex action. Right. <laughs> So do we have any final thoughts on the main campaign here? Is there anything that I, that I didn't bring up that we want to, to focus on or at this, at, cause at this point then, I mean, you go, you, you, as I said, you talk to Anderson, you get on the Normandy, you're in charge. Now you, you've basically completed this to me, the Citadel up through, up through the Citadel is like uh, in final fantasy seven, like Midgard mm -hmm. and not the, the remake where Midgard was blown out. Although could you imagine if that's what they decided to do for the legendary edition was blow oh, out boy. this whole chapter on the Citadel? Yeah. Because like, I mean, we've been saying like, it feels a little bit quick that Rex joins the party and it feels a little bit quick that you get made a specter. Imagine if you got 30 to 40 hours of gameplay just out of all this. I mean, you could like, if they wanted to build out the wards and, and all of that, like that was always something I missed in, in all of these games. It's like, I, I would play, I would just play like Mass Effect colon Citadel, just a whole game on the Citadel. I mean, like, yes. there's enough material for it. And I, I would love that. I mean, they did make it a DLC. So in three, so that is true. That was one of my, that was one of my favorite DLCs they released was that one. Yeah. It's so much fun with Citadel. So One thing we probably should mention is um, them talking about the Reapers at the at this part. Oh yes, right. Yes. We, we we finally, but they don't exist. That's that's what the council mm -hmm. says. Yeah, well, well, it's it's where you probably get to hear more like Reapers. It's, apparently, it's like a robot robotic race that killed the Profians. I'm like, oh, you guys know that, okay? But nobody believes it. I'm like, really? You can't find Profian bodies. There's only a little bit of their technology, and they all mysteriously died fifty thousand years ago. Well, it's, it's, I think if you, you have to think of the Protheans a bit like the dinosaurs, like we know that the dinosaurs were around and we know that they, you know, like were all over the planet, but like, you know, like we don't even, I mean, I, I think it's generally accepted that an asteroid killed them, but you can still find people who are like, yeah, the asteroid it wasn't an asteroid. It was something mm -hmm. else. No, no, like I can, like, so it, I can understand to a point, except when they find the data from the geth that says what the reapers are and like. Why are the Geth just going to play a false thing? And they really, you think it's going to be false? Yeah, it is stupid. It is. There's so another thing about this whole voice recording of Saren. Like, in is there no way? Like, do deep fakes not exist in the 22nd century? Like, come on. <laughs> there's no. So they completely uncritically accept your evidence, which you know, good for you, Shepard. But but then the second you're like and also reapers are like no that's crazy i mean what like you have effectively the same evidence for both 
Well, I guess it might make more sense if they've run across like Reaper fanatics before and it's like, okay, like these people who they talk about Reapers and they like, you know, you just look at them like, okay, you know, like kind of like, like doomsday cultists nowadays where it's just like, okay, like you're, you got your sign on the street saying the world's going to end tomorrow. Like it's, you know, like they're, they're, it'd almost be like, I guess, like if they found out like Saren believed in the boogeyman and you're like, okay, like we, well, the boogeyman's not real, but we know that people that believe in the boogeyman can do crazy stuff that we, we need to take care That's of. That's a him. fair point. Yeah. Fair. So, yeah. So then we get the, we get the choice to go after, we get to, to go to Pharos, Noveria, or, uh, we go, go find Benazia's daughter, Dr. Liara Tassoni. Yeah. There's one thing in here. I was, I had a question. He says, can't complete quests without Charmer Intimidate. Oh, that's right. We, um, that's right. I did want to bring this up. Thank you. Um, so when you come out of Udina's office after the first council hearing, um, you run into, uh, was it the name of body? I forget his first name. Uh, but he, he like, he pleads with you. He's like, look, uh, my wife was in the two twelve with Ashley mm-hmm. and she died because Ashley's like the only survivor of the two twelve. And I came to get her body, but they won't release her body. And so you go over to the uh, officer's lounge nearby and the uh, officer, I think his name is like Besker or, or something right. that he's there. Yeah. And you're like, dude, like this guy just wants his wife's body. Like what, 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 what are you holding it up for? And he's like, well, she was killed by this new type of weapon that, you know, we don't have a lot of evidence for this weapon. We need to study this to find out, like let's find to build the defense for this. And you're like, well, okay. Like, but you know, what else can you do? And he's like, no, we need this to, to, you know, build up our defenses against the geth. And so you go back to the guy and you're like, okay, well they're saving her body for testing. He's like testing. He's like, I don't care about your tests. I just want my wife's body so I can bury her. And at that point, when you talk to either Besker or Badia, you get, this is, I think the first time in the game that the intimidate and the charm options show up on the left, mm-hmm. uh, the blue and the red, the red options. And that's the only way to resolve this is to either choose, you know, you pick who you want to berate, or, or plead with, and then, you know, you can either tell, like, look, man, they're using your wife for testing, like, be cool about it, and you're like, okay, fine, or you go to Besker, and you're like, look, man, you know, just give the guy his wife, and he's like, okay, fine, but um, if, but like I said, like, I'm not putting points into Intimidate and mm-hmm. Charm, I'm only getting points because I'm accidentally, like, getting, I'm accruing Renegade and Paragon points, and so I'm, I'm building up, you know, like, every Renegade or Paragon point, I think you get a point in Charm. Yeah, the, the mandatory uh, ones you can't, anyway. ones you can't do anything yeah. about. But also, yeah. I've never told Barat Body what they were doing with her body. I was always like, "Dude, just just let her have his body. He wants to bury her." He's like, "Okay, fine. You're a specter. I really like. I felt bad telling him I I wanted to keep his her body, like because I understand. Oh. So you, just tell him or send it to him." Well, I had I had no choice. I, I mean, I shouldn't say I had no choice, but like it, my options were basically like tell him about the what they're doing with the body, or just leave mm-hmm. and just let him stand there and leave it unresolved. And like I can't leave this quest unresolved. Like so. Ultimately, like you get to a point where you're just like, look, look, dude, I can't do anything for you. And he's just like, you, you, you specters are just as useless as everybody else huh. or, you know, you alliance. Yeah. yeah. And he just walks away all pissed. Wow. That's actually really yeah. cool. Cause I've, since I've always had charm or intimidate, I've never experienced this. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I talked to him, I think in this playthrough, I, I said, Hey, you should let them do the research. And he was like, okay, I get it. Like I did convince him that it was, it was cool to do, but, uh. Uh, I don't know why I decided to do that. It just seemed something different to do. But yeah, I don't. I, huh. That's funny. All right. I think that's as good a point to stop as any. Uh, next time we will pick up with our final thoughts on the main Citadel storyline and then also getting all the side quests that are pretty fun uh, as you travel around that uh, futuristic city in the stars.
This has been Squad Goals, episode number three. Thank you to Jarrett for producing and editing. Thank you for downloading and listening. We are at Squad Goals N7 on Twitter, also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also on YouTube at youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Chip can be found at, at WD on Twitter. Kura can be found at, at Kura Boris on Twitter. Chip is also on Wondrous Tales here on the Mash Those Buttons Network. And Kura is, of course, on Dropping Spicy on the Mash Those Buttons Network and also on Clan of Three, where they're talking about the Bad Batch lately. I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on WoW Talk and The Torn and the Goblin, where I talk about Warcraft stuff. Go check that out. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons and email us any thoughts or questions you have at squadgoals at mash.gg. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to patron-exclusive content. And you can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg support. And stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 